podcast designed to truly radically shift your perspective on health and how to maximize showing up being the best version of you every single day. This is Wellness Smart Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. I had a wonderful and amazing interview here as this episode is the weekly interviews that I've been doing um, with special individuals who can help you, the listener, really grasp a concept of life through the mindset side, the whole experiment of life. And where, where do you hear from different stories, different perspectives, things that people have learned, then their experiences and wisdom and knowledge and the craft that they work, the uniqueness of who they are to shine to others to help us all evolve as, as humans and the overall human collective consciousness. In this interview, I had a great time connecting with Nathan Aaron. What an amazing individual. His energy is very... Um, contagious. You can. It's very palpable. You can feel it. We had a lot of great convos in this episode. He talked about his life, his life story, what he went through, how to dream big, and so many more things. Really excited to um, have the opportunity to ha- interview him. Um, Nathan is actually, he helps heart-centered entrepreneurs merge all of their passions into one life mission to plan fund and build their dream businesses. He's raised over a million dollars per client and worked with Fortune 500 companies and Grammy award-winning artists, including the Olympics, Adidas, CBS Sports, Lil Wayne, and Ray-Ban, and produces two podcasts, which charted number one on iTunes. After being homeless, he became an agent and landed his first seven-figure investment for a client, which later allowed him to create a reality series, Chasing My Dreams, which will air in this winter of 2020. His music career, he is represented by Violet Brown, who landed record deals for Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, and Will I Am. In college, he studied as an intern under American Idol's judge Simon Cowell, as well as multi-platinum dance DJ Paul Oakenfield. Uh, additionally, he sits on the board of multiple nonprofits helping the homeless, coral reefs, and at-risk youths. This guy is dynamic in all levels, and I'm not going to take any more of this guy's thunder away. So, Ladies and gentlemen, here is Nathan Aaron. Nathan, excited to have you on the show, my friend. Hey, Dr. Vic, same. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I always do my due diligence before I have someone come on, and I just love your energy and what you're about and what you're doing and all that. And so I know this next uh, little space of time that we have with each other, we're going to be able to really um, share something valuable for the listeners and really help uh, have people dream bigger and go bigger in their life and so much more. So uh, commend you for the work, and uh, I'm excited to dive in. Thank you. You too. Really looking forward to it. So one of the things I always like to start out with, and it's the question I always start with any interview is, you know, the story, how did you get into what you're doing today? What are the, you know, in life, there's always that, you know, everyone's, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, choose what you want to be. And it's going to be that right. And uh, life kind of knocks you around a little bit. Um, and that's for most people. I've interviewed a lot of people. And it's, it's always interesting that probably about 99% of the time, it's the opposite of just choosing and going. So how did you get into it? What's your story? What's your background on that? Yeah, well, um, everything was perfect, and I never had any problems, and then here I am. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Uh, what actually happened is, um, you know, I was a teenager, and I found my passion really early, which I'm really lucky to have, uh, which was music. I started a recording studio out of my bedroom at 15, and by 16, maybe 17, I had 10 grand in my bank account, which is like $6 million to a teenager. Um, just from charging 20 bucks an hour for people to come into my bedroom. I lived across the street from the high school and record them. 
um, record them, you know, doing music. If they weren't musical, then just like finding a way to involve them in the musical process, which was really fun. Um, so from there, I was like, you know what? I got to get out of here. Uh, and so I moved down to LA at 17. And within a year, I was interning with Simon Cowell of American Idol, uh, Wu-Tang, Paul Oakenfold, all these big people. And so I was certain that, you know, by the age of 20 or 21, by the very latest, that I would, you know, be a famous multimillionaire. It was, it was destined for success. Um, but that's not at all what happened. I ended up uh, getting in the wrong crowd, ended up being with some people, you know, going down to Hollywood. What ends up happening is, yes, there are a lot of really young, aspiring people that want to make a difference or want to be creative or want to get out there. But there's also a lot of people that see that and want to take advantage of that. And so what I ended up uh, doing is I ended up kind of getting screwed over, I ended up uh, being homeless, I ended up living out of my car for about four months. And, um, you know, I always tell the story about the, the coldest day of winter when I was living in my car, uh, you know, I was wrapped in the back seat with a blanket. And I just uh, decided that it was so cold, it was a hailstorm, and I needed that extra blanket that was in my trunk. And so I crawled over to the front seat and, you know, went down under the under the, the top of the steering wheel and pulled the, uh, the trunk latch. And then I jumped out of the back seat and I ran around and I grabbed the blanket and I wrapped it around me, closed the trunk. And I ran back around to the side and I pulled the door handle and I had locked myself out of the car in my boxers in the freezing cold. And luckily with a blanket wrapped around me. So, uh, you know, that was definitely a low in my life. Uh, there I was just kind of like hitting, you know, as they call it rock bottom, um, but luckily I was in a position where I couldn't stay at rock bottom. I couldn't really be too sorry for myself because hail balls were hitting me on the back of the head, <laughs> which was such a metaphor for my life at that time. So I ended up, uh, finding this little, uh, abandoned warehouse, I ended up jumping in, in a window and I ended up trying to get some sleep on a chair. And as I was there on the chair trying to fall asleep, um, I heard this sound and I had this jolt and I was thinking, oh my God, now someone's going to come into this warehouse and see this half naked boy trying to get some sleep and who knows if they have a weapon or what. And, and so I did what everyone does when they think they hear a sound when someone is about to break me, you know, they think someone might be breaking into their house and that's hold your breath and don't allow for a single sound to happen. And I don't know if any of you listening have been in that situation where you hear that sound, you're like, oh, okay, I can't even make a sound because they might hear me and you know, I want to know what's going on. And that's where I was. But as I was kind of holding my breath and being as quiet as I could possibly be, my mind started racing. And I started having this negative self-talk go on in my head. And that negative self-talk was like, how did you biff it? How did you go from being you know, a teenager, interning for some of the biggest people in the music industry, to being homeless in a warehouse half naked with a blanket wrapped around you, possibly facing a lot of danger with whoever's coming in. And all of this negative stuff started coming and coming and coming. And I started complaining to myself. And one thing that I ended up saying during that complaining was, if I could only get someone to write me a check so that I could have a house and not be living in my car, if I could only have someone give me money so that I could afford food and that I could afford a little apartment and that I could afford maybe even a few things to get my career off the ground. I know I can still be successful. All I need is someone to write me that check in. And then it hit me. I was having that epiphany. And that epiphany was, if I could get someone to cut me a check, an investor, 
a grant, a sponsorship, an endorsement, something like that, then I could be successful. Now, luckily there wasn't anyone in the warehouse. It was probably maybe like a tree branch hitting the side of the building or something with the big storm going on. But over time, I started working that plan and I ended up getting uh, one of the music artists I was working with a $1.4 million record deal. And it just kept going and going and going. I got another guy, $80,000 investment for his clothing line. And it just kept going and going and going. And that was my epiphany. I realized, wow, okay, you know, I can actually do this. I can actually really change people's lives by helping them get really clear on what lights their heart, what really makes them happy and excited to live. And then I can help help give them the kind of worldly side of things, the financial aspect to it, so that they can actually kind of bring their thing into reality in a very tangible way. That's what happened. I love that, man. What a powerful story and, and, and the journey you went through. Um, one of the questions I have is, you know, you, you had that negative inner critics, negative self-talk going on. And um, how did you sum up? Because I come from, a, a, I have a couple of family members who were super successful at an extremely young age and then lost it all. And then that was their life. Like it was never another opportunity to go back and do something new. It was never an opportunity to really um, say, you know what? I effed up, whatever. So be it. I'm going to still continue going towards my goals. It was more of this is my life and I just have to deal with what I made my mistakes with. How did you not go that route and you changed it around and went a different route? What was the, was there something you believed in? Was it just something you, how did you build the confidence or the determination to do that? Um, well, I think it's really important as and a struggle that people like ourselves who have an audience or who are, are attempting to make a difference in the world, uh, a struggle that I think we have a lot is saying, uh, giving advice that actually adds value to everyone's life regardless of circumstance. But sometimes it's just, you know, things that happen and how, and how you were raised, right? Like for me, my parents instilled a lot of confidence in me. And I feel like I was just this person who always was super motivated and super driven. I know you talk about it, how like uh, God or creation instills in us this ever continuing, uh, you know, desire to grow and to change and to, to, uh, to expand. And I, I also realized that there are people that don't have this like really deep desire to always continue to grow, but, uh, but they just desire maybe to feel constant peace and to be in the moment, to be in the present moment. And it's all beautiful and it's all okay. But I was just instilled with this bug and this bug is just kind of like, keep going, keep making it happen. I felt like there's no other option because I'm either going to die or I'm going to make this happen. And so it was never an option for me. It was never a, it was never a thought. There was only one time in my life where I actually thought, you know what, um, have I been doing the wrong thing? Maybe I should quit. And that was after a very long time of going down a bad path. And so to answer your question, I would say that though, uh, though it was instilled in me at a very young age, the answer is that I implanted a belief in my mind that said, there is no other option. It's kind of like the burn the boats concept, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and it's like, there's no other option. So how could I possibly do anything other than keep pushing forward? I love how you said you, there was no other option. I just did a podcast a couple, I think it's a couple ago where I talk about decide and to decide means to cut out all the, I mean, it just means to cut out and you just want to cut out all the other options. And when you do that, Here's the story. Here's the proof right here, guys. For the listeners listening, this is what happens when you choose and just go and you say, I have no other option. 
Um, my life, same thing. I had a hit a point where it was like, either I do this and I just go all in or I'm going to, things aren't going to, I'm not going to live the life I want. And I was just like, I'm doing this. And regardless, I can always go back to that. That's my fallback plan. But I'm like, there's no, because if this fails, then I'm here. Or I choose this, and then I never know what I could have did. Yeah, and I feel like it's very, uh, one of the biggest moments in my life was when I started getting around mentors that were doing 20, 30, 40x what I was doing in multiple areas of my life. And I looked at them and I said, oh, that's what they're doing to become successful successful financially, successful with happiness, successful with just a holistic life. Um, you know, reference experiences are so much more valuable than, you know, just, just studying and studying is incredibly important because you can do that every day of your life. But then when you get those moments, when you get around the people that are doing what you want to be doing at a 2040 X level, then you say, okay, now I get it. Now I see the real difference of what's going on. So I've dedicated a big portion of my life to uh, hunting down these amazing people and actually, you know, knocking on their door and saying, hey, uh, you know, can I learn from you, which has been absolutely incredible. And I, I think that the number one thing that has allowed me to do that is uh, just really being connected with the heart. You know, when it comes to mindfulness, when it comes to, uh, you know, just being able to network with people, those two things are so much more connected than we like to believe. And, you know, at any moment in any situation, I feel like I have this tool in my tool belt that I'm so grateful for, which is just to connect with the human and just to, to really say, okay, what are we doing here? Why are we doing it? How can we really, really connect in this moment? Everybody wants the same thing. I like to say that if you go to the grocery store, you don't stress and wonder if the eggs are going to be there, right? You just go. But for some weird reason, we stress and wonder if we're going to be able to accomplish our goals and be happy when really, you know, our reference experiences show that when we work hard and we focus and we stay committed to that one thing, like you had to decide, I'm sticking to it, I'm staying focused. When you know, as long as we stick to it and stay focused, we get there. And that's what I learned from those mentors. Is like, okay, they stick to it no matter what, and they go, 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 go. And if you have to shift, if you have to adjust, if you have to move, you know, change the course a little bit, so be it. But when it comes down to it, it's like we have to decide right now, you know. And if you, even if that takes time away from being productive, and you know, maybe you have to take a week where you don't do anything except take a little mini retreat and say, okay, I'm gonna just really make sure that I'm doing exactly what my heart wants to be doing. I want to envision myself 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, looking back on my life and asking myself the questions of like, did I do what I wanted to do? Or was I doing it because of lack? Was I doing it because of fear? And if we can really just, just kind of hone in on that, then I think that we'll be in an amazing place to be able to do those things that we need to do to be successful and happy, like stay committed because we know we're doing the right things. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more with that. And I love how you brought up the whole thing about the, the, the sticking with it. You know, with all the advice you've been given and all that, what is something that has been one of the most pivotal or uh, game changers for you that you've gotten? And, and, and it could be anything. Uh, it could be, I get this question sometimes and I'm always like, oh man, I can't say one. But if you can think of one right off the top of your head, what comes to you? Yeah, well, um, if, if I may, I would love to share what I would consider the by far most powerful uh, kind of experience and uh, uh, exercise that I've ever had. And it just kind of came to me in a meditation one day. I meditated 
luckily I'm super glad that this happened. I actually um, had this really horrible experience where I blacked out on the freeway um, and I thought I was having a, a stroke or something like that. And they, uh, they rushed me into the hospital. And when I got there, there were you know, 20, 30 people in the waiting room. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be here forever. And they rushed me straight past everyone because they thought I was having a stroke. turns out it was a really bad anxiety attack. And the anxiety attack was so bad that every single day that I woke up, I, I had trouble moving my hands. And so I had to start meditating. So now I'm grateful to say that I've meditated for over 1,100 days in a row. Um, and there's a little caveat to that because I actually meditate 364 days a year, purposefully giving myself a day off so that it's imperfect because I love that. Um, so that's fun. But uh, the, the kind of exercise that came to me is called the end of life meditation. And the, I would love to share it if you're okay with me sharing this with your audience. No, go for it, brother. Cool. Awesome. So the end of life meditation before uh, we get started is I want to say that um, if you're not into meditation, consider it an exercise. If you're into meditation, great, let's do it. If you're driving, obviously be safe. But the idea is you don't even have to close your eyes if you don't want to. If you're on a run, you can do this in any circumstance whatsoever, um, as long as you stay safe, of course. And the concept behind this is on making decisions in your life to make sure that you're walking down the right reality. There are so many par parallel realities in the world. So if you imagine yourself standing uh, on a path and in front of you, there are 50 different paths that you can go down. How do you choose which one to go down? And there can be a lot of anxiety around, you know, choosing the right path. We've all been in a situation where either, you know, you have to choose whether or not to take an opportunity, whether or not to take a job, whether or not to move to a new city, whether or not to, you know, date this person or not, or to continue something that you're doing or not. There's so many decisions in life and it just branches out and branches out and branches out and branches out in both directions, right? It branches out forward with your future options and it branches out backwards. If your parents didn't meet, if your grandparents didn't meet, if their grandparents didn't meet, how would you be here? Would you be here in a different form? And so this is going to be a tool that you can keep in your tool belt for whenever you want to make a decision to make sure you're doing the right thing and to following your highest calling as opposed to living out of fear. So if everyone can just sit up straight or stand straight or wherever they're at and take a nice deep breath, and when you exhale, just exhale out anything that's not necessary. And inhale all of the light, love, and peace in the world. It's a lot of light. And exhale anything that is not needed right now. And then feel free to breathe however you feel called to. Now, I'd like you to, in your mind's eye, imagine a window. And you're sitting by a window and outside of the window is the most beautiful scene that you've ever seen in your entire life. You're on a couch or a comfortable chair and you're looking out this window. The breeze is coming in. It's the perfect temperature. Everything's perfect. You're feeling a little bit of goosebumps on your arms raise up. And so you look down at your arm and you look down at your hand and you realize you have a very beautifully well-aged hand. You're 98 years old, and it's your last day on this earth in this body. As you realize that there's only a day or less than a day left of you living, you start to think back on your life. 
you think fondly about all the people you've met, about all the experiences you've had, that time you went out and explored and went out of your comfort zone, that time that you went out of your comfort zone to express something to someone you cared about. Sure, there are some things that you regret, but you lived a beautiful, full life of amazing experiences, just such wonderful experiences that you felt. And as you start thinking back, you're thinking like, wow, this has been a full, amazing, incredible life. And, and you know, even though it was so incredible, I, I kind of, I wish I could just go back one more time. It would be amazing to be able to go back. I'm 98 right now. I wish I could go back 20 years into the past when I was 78, just a young little whippersnapper, 78 years old. And I wish I could go back 30 years ago to when I was 68 years old. What would I do if I was 30 years younger at 68 years old? And what would I do maybe if I was 58 years old, 40 years ago? Think about what I was doing back then. God, so much I've learned since then. If I could go back, that'd be amazing. I'm 98 right now. What if I could go, you know, let's, let's jump 50 years ago to when I was 48. Let's jump 60 years ago to when I was 38 or 70 years ago to when I was 28 or even 80 years ago to when I was 18. I just wish I could go back. It would be so nice to just go back one more time. What would I do differently? What would I change? And, you know, I I don't want to be focused on that too much because there's only two hours left that I'm here on this planet and I'm so grateful and so many beautiful things have happened but this life is such an incredible, magical gift. It's so incredible that, that I was even born. So many millions of things had to align perfectly for me to even be alive right now. And I'm appreciating this very exact moment with one hour left to live, looking around, seeing the beauty in the moment, appreciating the outside and the beautiful breeze coming in. But, but for some reason, I do wish I could just go back one more time because it would be, I would just make a few changes. I'd do a few things differently and I would really experience that moment and just connect with the people and connect with nature and be there. I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back. Open your eyes. Your wish has been granted. And so I want to thank you for doing this little exercise with me. Um, I think the main thing is that If we have this tool in our tool belt, then at any moment we can consult with our 98-year-old self and we can say, 98-year-old self, what should I do in this moment to not be operating out of fear? Or, oh, I need to do this so that I can make money instead of the thing that I really want to be doing. Or what can I do to really enjoy this moment and say the thing that might be uncomfortable right now but has more meaning uh, at the end of my life? And it's just basically a way to look at our life's from the end, which always hindsight is 2020. I think this is huge. I mean, this is something that I do in some of my, my circles and stuff. And I think having that end point of mind, having that mortality, right? <clears throat> Knowing that we're not going to be here forever. And it's a great way to keep yourself in check in, in the way I like to use it. Cause it's, it's a great way to like, keep the ego in check, keep like, Hey, what's really more valuable? What's really, uh, what's more important at this moment? What's going to be, give you more of what you're going to get out of life at 98, you know, when you're at 98, looking back, 
um, I love it, man. I think it's a game changer. I think it's really good to, um, you know, look from that perspective in, in, in so many ways. Um, appreciate you taking us, the listeners and everybody through it. Uh, I'm stoked. I'm like, all right, cool. I, I, when you were counting, I'm like 98. Yeah. I want to get to a hundred. So I'm like 98. That's good. Then I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be almost 40 in a few years. I'm like, I'm almost halfway. Then I'm like, I got time, but I'm like, you yeah. know what though? And then you start reflecting. You're like, okay, all right, what would I be saying now? What do I want? What I should be focusing on? What should I, you know, it just gets me, at least me in that moment where I'm like, all right, what, what do I need to do? That's going to add more value and do more things in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, th- something that I, when I listen to your podcast that I really resonate with is, you know, personally, I am the type of person where I'm addicted to continue, continually growing and also addicted to uh, constantly creating goals and trying to achieve those goals. And I notice, and I don't know if you're like this as well, but I'm curious, uh, you know, like how often you might be setting a goal and feel stressed because you need to be moving forward and doing more versus like really excited about it. Cause I struggle with that. And I feel like you're a person that, that is really in tune with that and not to turn the tables here, but yeah, I'm really curious about how you deal with that. Uh, it's tough, man. Um, I have I have a really good support system. My wife will put me in check um, a lot because when she'll notice when I'm like, man, I just don't feel like I'm hitting the mark. I don't feel like I'm making a reach. I don't feel like um, I was just talking to her a couple weeks ago about this. And I was like, and she's like, what do you mean? She's like, do you not see what people say to you, the messages? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just in that place. Or, hey, we're not here yet. She always catches me saying, well, we're working towards it. You know, we're getting there. And she's like, you're doing the work, like give yourself a chance. And it's just, uh, but then it, this is old battles, this is old programming, right? I grew up with a dad who was very harsh, hardcore, where it didn't matter how excellent I did something, um, there was always something wrong with it, no matter what. Ooh. I appreciate that as I, I mean, I didn't like it at the time, obviously, and it created some things. But as I got older, I appreciated it because one of the things that taught me was, is no matter what you do and how good you do something, you can always do better. You can always Ooh. go to another level. And there's a negative to that too, because then you don't smell the roses, right? But it's just keeping yourself in check in a way. Um, for me, my focus is just what I do and what has helped me massively in my life. Uh, and I kind of talk about this a little bit in my podcast too, is that um, it's all about the small things. So what's your smallest victory that you won for today, right? And that has been a game changer. And sometimes I'll just do it and be like, whatever, but there's times where I'm just like, you know what, what's, what did I win today? Where was my wins? What did I do? And then I'll just think about my day and what I accomplished. And I'm like, okay, even though my ego, right? Cause that's my old programming. It's not my voice. It's my dad's voice stuck in my head where I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, you could have did more though. You could have, you could have went an extra an hour doing this. But at the end of the day, I've learned to get softer with myself and be like, you know what? No, I'm moving forward. I did mm-hmm. something. It saved me time. I'm moving forward. And I think the biggest thing is, is understanding as long as you're showing up every day and you're, you're making small changes, you're doing the best that you can. And, totally. it, and, you sometimes, and the biggest thing is just getting that ego out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but for me, uh, I listen to a lot of people and I've seen, like, I'm a chiropractor first and then I, now I have a whole mindset side stuff I'm doing. And seeing the successful people. And then it's just like, man, I'm grinding. I'm doing the work. I'm doing what they say, you know, and then I'm not getting there. I'm hitting walls. And it, it was very frustrating until I started living my own path and just saying, it's going to be my journey. I have different obstacles I have to go through. Maybe they didn't have as many obstacles as me. Uh, maybe I have less obstacles than them. Who knows? But the thing is I have my own journey and I won't know what that is until I'm not here anymore. Unless there's some way, you know, through meditation and other things, you get some good self-reflecting. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, making sure that 
it's just being okay with this is what I'm doing. This is the effort I'm putting in. And I know that I'm going to get there one way or another. Totally. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, I suffer with that for sure. Uh, and I'm lucky enough to have a partner who puts me in check as well. So I, I resonate with that. <laughs> uh, but it's it, one thing that my, one of my bigger mentors uh, told me is that if you feel behind, then remember that things take longer than you expect. So settle in, get cozy and put in a good day of work every day. And I love that. And, you know, it's one thing to hear that by like reading a book. And it's another thing to hear that from someone who you really look up to in person. And uh, so that really resonated with me to the point where, you know, I, it just, it shook me, uh, you know, and, and so if anyone is listening to this podcast who suffers from, you know, that, uh, that constant drive and that maybe that even that guilt of not moving fast enough, it's like the whole purpose that we're doing anything is to feel good and help others feel good, right? The whole purpose that you're doing anything that you're doing is to feel good or help others feel good. Even like take the trash out, right? It doesn't feel good to take the trash out necessarily, but it feels good not to smell the trash. So you're doing it so that you can feel good. You're investing in yourself to feel good. And the same thing goes, you might not want to be doing that grunt work that you have to do in order to reach your dream, but that's like taking the trash out where, you know, you're, you're doing that grunt work so that it doesn't smell later. You're doing that grunt work so that you can feel that, that amazing feeling of helping others or helping yourself and feeling good in the moment. And so why not feel good now? Right. Why not really dial it in and, and just like enjoy the process. And also it's like, you're putting that energy into your work too. And so there are so many little tools that I love so much that can help us kind of change our brain's perspective uh, and get us to the point where we're like, okay, in order to have success, in order to accomplish what I want, I must feel good in the moment as I'm doing it or else it doesn't count. And so that's what I've been working on lately, um, uh, which I'm definitely not a master of yet. But, um, you know, I, I would say that I'm great at getting a lot done, but I'm still working on really deeply enjoying each and every moment as I'm doing that work. And that's a beautiful thing. And there are so many internal and external things that we can do to kind of get us there. Um, you know, from, from getting external help, from uh, doing work with friends or people that we enjoy being around or, you know, little mindset tricks and tips that we can do to get us to the point where we're, uh, you know, really enjoying it or revving ourselves up beforehand. And so, you know, I think everybody listening is super passionate about this stuff. And the idea is just to, to you know, as I say, when we're born, we're given a rock and a chisel and it's our job to create the most beautiful sculpture we can. And so, yeah, let's create that beautiful sculpture. I love it. How much do you think, I go back and forth, I've gotten better with this, but how much do you think now is things are sometimes just divine timing? Like if you don't like the word divine, you can choose whatever word with that or just say timing in general. But uh, for me, it's always been divine timing. How much do you think timing plays a role too uh, when it comes to achieving a big goal or a big dream and things like that? More than we like to admit. I will tell you that some of the most magical times in my life would be considered just luck. But as we know, luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Um, I've definitely had some really incredible moments where, um, you know, I set an intention and then I just went out into the world and all of a sudden I look around and someone is there in my life 
because I just happened to take a left turn instead of a right turn on a street. There was one time when uh, on January 1st of that year, after going through a really tough time, I was in a, uh, in a position where I had to make a big life change. And so what I did is I wrote on my calendar exactly what I wanted. I'd been self-employed my whole life. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my dream job. Um, and I'm going to use that dream job to catapult my career as well. And so I wrote down exactly what I wanted. I want to work three days a week. I want to be location independent. I want to make this much money and I want to get paid to learn. Basically, I want to uh, work for someone that I can learn from. And so I took those four, four or five bullet points that I had on my calendar and I just went about my life. And one day I was driving and I was feeling really inspired and really kind of like, like ethereal. And I said, you know what? I'm going to let my intuition just kind of drive me around the city. And so I was in my car and I was like, intuition, tell me where to go. And intuition said, go straight. I was downtown. It's like intuition says, go left up this hill. So I go left up this hill. My intuition said, take another left. My intuition said, go straight. And next thing you know, my intuition said, stop. So I'm sitting up on a hill and I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing up here? Why, why, why am I on this random hill in this random part of town? And so I thought, ah, eh, what the heck? I'll just, you know, get out of my car and shoot this little video that I wanted to shoot. And I look to my right and there is one of my favorite authors. And I'm thinking, what the heck? That's odd. I'm in this random part of town and one of my favorite authors is here. And so I went up, we chatted, and I ended up getting offered a job working three days a week, location independent, making the exact dollar amount I wanted and getting paid to learn. And so what I realized in that is, well, two things. One, it's luck, right? That was luck. But at the same time, what is luck? Preparation, meeting opportunity. I was fully prepared. We could easily be in a position where we are not at all prepared for something and an opportunity passes us right by. So, you know, whether or not we can, can control luck, we don't know, but we might as well be prepared for it. And so that's why I think luck is so important when it comes to, uh, when it comes to everything that's going on because, or being prepared rather, uh, because we can't necessarily control luck, but we can control what we're doing when those opportunities pass us by. Totally. And I love it. It's all about preparation, you know, and being ready for that, that opportunity. I think of it as like an athlete where, you know, you just grind and do the work, you practice, you know, and, and you just keep doing it. Then one day here comes a game that's showing up and Hey, that made that scout that you wanted to go to that school or that team or whatever it is, all of a sudden they're showing up. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of the way my mentality looks at things when it comes to luck and opportunity and things like that. Cause it's like, you know what, if I didn't practice, then all that work to show up in that game, maybe I'll get lucky and just be in my A game. But I know if I do the work and stay consistent, well, guess what? I can show up my A game all the time. Yeah, and we could also manufacture luck too because if you put yourself in as many situations as you can, one of them, you're going to get lucky. But if you don't put yourself in any situations at all, then chances of getting lucky are really small. So, you know, when you see maybe people – 
messaging, you know, YouTube comments or something saying, oh, you're just lucky. Well, it's like, yes, I am lucky because I put myself in lots of situations. I've done things like send giant boxes to uh, people's houses that I want to kind of uh, get on my team. I, uh, one of my uh, mentors and uh, when I was in the music industry was my manager. Her name is Violet Brown. She got Dr. Dre, Ice Cube and Will I Am their first record deals. And uh, I got her to be my, my manager and she had not managed and still hasn't managed any music producer since me or before me. And uh, I was really lucky because I researched her, find out what she liked. And I sent her this big giant box with a box inside of it, with a box inside of it, with a box inside of it, uh, with all these little notes and all this cool stuff. And she messaged me back and she said, hey, this is one of the most creative packages I've ever gotten. And I get packages all the time. Uh, not only that, but I think that your music is great and your personality is great. I'd love to manage you. And that was a game changer for me when I was in the music industry. So yeah, just putting yourself in the right positions, having fun with it, and you know, just kind of asking yourself, what what is it that I want? And then putting yourself out there is so incredibly important. And you know, when I was in the music industry helping people get record deals, I would tell uh, all the artists that I worked with all the time, it's like, there is a mentality that you have to get discovered. And the truth is you can spend 10% of your time on opportunities, but spend 90% of your time on what you have control of. And that's a little more boring, right? That's showing up every day and doing that full day of work. That's, you know, hacking away, doing the same thing over and over and over again, and not having this ADD, ADHD mentality of, of you know, going squirrel and getting like distracted by the newest, coolest, shiniest object, but really staying diligent and disciplined and focused in the moment. So that's helpful too. No, it's so true, man. I love that. And, it, and it's cool how you, you know, for the listeners, you see, Nathan, you put your, you put your special touch on something, right? And you put energy into it. You did research. You didn't just go, I'm going to send it law of reciprocity. If I'm saying that right, that word always gets me. Uh, But you know, you you didn't just think, Oh, I do this and that's it. Right. That's a mental thing. It's, it's very mental ego based. You were like, no, I'm going to get creative. I'm gonna do some work. I want to look into this. And I think that too, just doing all that back end work, because it wasn't just like, boom, put some stuff together, put some boxes together and I'm done. No. Right. You like took time. There was researching you had to do. I don't know how many hours or minutes that took you, uh, but I'm, I'm assuming it took some time. Uh, but you took that effort in and then all of a sudden it opens up the door and it's so palpable. Right. I always talk about people go that extra mile. Don't write a letter. I mean, in, in typing it, I'm, take your hand out and write it. I don't care if your hand hurts after a while, write it out or just do a simple note. Um, it's amazing how much more that hits home uh, than compared to other things. So for the listeners, follow them, follow, follow what, what works here. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. And, and I feel like, uh, when it comes to my personal calling, like what really matters to my heart, uh, is when people tell me, uh, you know, I coach seven people every Sunday, um, and I just help them for free. I don't charge any money for it. I just do it because I love helping businesses, small businesses. And, um, every Sunday I help these people and I get the same things over and over again. It's like they feel like their heart and their, their comfort and their, you know, their self and their success are so separate, but really I feel like it's one. It's the same thing as like when I was going through my anxiety attacks, I was like, why is my hand not working because I'm having an anxiety attack. And I didn't realize that the head was connected to the body by a thing called a neck right? It's like, it's one body. But for some reason, we don't think that our head and our body are connected. And the same thing goes with our kind of business world, you know, make a difference, 
whatever it is that we're doing in our career and our personal life and our own bodies and our own, you know, physiology and our own mentality. And so I'm super passionate about helping people get really clear on what they want to do with their lives, regardless of their age, regardless of, you know, how deep into their career or business they are, because you can actually shift your entire career without changing your business or without changing your job or without doing any, you don't have to quit. You don't have to, you know, restart your whole life. You can actually just get clarity and then do a little pivot in that thing. And one way that I really enjoy doing that is helping people do what I, uh, what I, uh, call a, uh, a dream life planning session and a dream life planning session helps you get really clear on all the things, the day to day things, not, you know, if I achieve this, then I'll be happy stuff. But instead, like I enjoy laughing with people. This is the kind of humor I like. I enjoy walks. I enjoy really this specific type of weather. Uh, you know, I like the idea of waking up in the morning and not having to plan my day. I want someone to tell me exactly what to do. Or I enjoy waking up in the morning and knowing exactly what I'm going to do and not having anyone tell me what to do because I'm my own boss. Everyone has different personalities, different preferences, different non-negotiables. And so I love, love, love helping people get clarity on what those things are. And then from there, having real life tangible strategies that work in order to, for people to reach those things. And so uh, some of those things are uh, one is for the people who are trying to make a transition from maybe having a job to being self-employed or having their own business. And I call it the three day a week club. The three day a week club is just simply what I uh, mentioned earlier. And I fell into myself, which is working for someone else half of the week, doing something that is teaching you how to do the thing you want to do the other half of the week, right? So if you want to, let's say, um, be a dancer, then you work for a dance company for half the week, getting paid money to learn. And then you spend the other half of the week doing your own business, your dance business. And so that's one option. It's like a transitionary way to get out of what you're doing. And what I also help people with is funding, which is just basically considering the best case scenario of what you want to do. Let's say uh, maybe you want to start a beauty brand, right? And you want to uh, have a YouTube channel where you're, uh, you know, you're doing makeup, but you're also inspiring young girls to realize that they're beautiful with or without makeup and that makeup is just a form of expression. And then you're taking a percentage of that money and you're going to donate to this cause, right? So that's your vision, right? That's what you want to do. But that's still not good enough because though that is a like a general business model, we want to really figure out what you're doing each morning. Like, do you want to wake up late, have enough time to meditate for an hour and drink your matcha? Or do you want to, you know, get up super early at 4 a.m. and hustle until noon and then have the rest, you know, maybe, maybe you retire from the, you know, noon until 5 p.m., you know, you don't have to wait until a certain age to retire. Maybe you just retire certain hours of the day. And, uh, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, getting really clear on what that is, and then putting it into a pitch deck, which is a presentation of what you want to do with the vision, all the data, all the numbers, your financial projections, and then presenting it to an organization, whether it be a government organization or an individual, and having them giving you one to three years of the runway of your personal expenses, like your rent, your bills, your gas, your, your grocery, your mortgage, whatever that is, 
so that you can spend one to three years focusing on what you really want to be doing with your life and one to three years of the money you need to hire people to, uh, you know, to get, have a marketing budget, to pay for the gear you need. And that gives you that time frame to breathe and to not kind of fall into what society and the economy is telling that you have to do, which is struggle, 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 you know, juggle, 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 balance, balance, balance. And next thing you know, you're overwhelmed and you're, you know, wondering what the heck happened in the last five years of your life. And then you're saying, I'm not far enough. I'm not far enough, which is what I've been struggling with as well. Um, and then we get to the point where we can actually breathe and say, cool, I have three years of funding, three years of personal income, three years of business income to really focus on doing this. And that's what I've done for myself. That's what I've done for many other people, um, you know, whether it be in the music industry or outside of the music industry. Um, I recently got my friend Sarah a $10,000 a month grant from Google so that she can spend 10 grand a month on uh, Google ads, YouTube ads, um, and just like continuing to help people with this. And I think that the best analogy that I've come across is if you birth a baby into the world and you have this, you know, one month old baby, you're not going to put it on the corner and tell it to go figure out how to survive. Right. And so you're not going to do the same thing with your business. You're not going to say, Hey, I birthed this business is one month old, go out and make money. You need a runway of time to really dial it in and to really figure it out and to really chisel away at that and make it perfect so that you can put it out there into the world without worrying so much about having the pressure of needing to make an income because we make so many bad decisions when we're making those decisions just for, for income, just for revenue. If I was making decisions just on revenue, I'd be uh, spending those seven coaching calls every weekend trying to hard sell people on a big coaching thing that I'm doing, which is totally okay because I think that's super important. People need that. And people who are uh, paying for something are going to value it way more than if they're doing it for free. And I realize that. But this is my gestation period of really feeling out like what people need, how I can help people, how I can serve people, and then later on finding where the real, uh, you know, where the real value is and then charging those high ticket prices for those things. So if anyone's listening to this and you're either A, you have a job and you want to turn that into a, into a business, maybe you want to quit your job, or you have a business and you're like, you know what, I love what I'm doing, but I wish I could shift a few things, then there are ways to do that. Sometimes money can help with that. Sometimes it can't but there are a lot of solutions on how to pivot and get to the place where you're deeply, deeply enjoying every single aspect, both internally with all these amazing tools that Dr. Vic is giving you and with external things like finances and resources. I love it. I love, I love how you share the perspective too. Of like, you know, I've always been a big fan of slow and steady. Um, I love big growth. Don't be wrong. And it does happen, but slow and steady always wins the race. And I love how you were talking about like, you know, you go get paid by somebody who you do work for them, but then also learn. And then you do your business on the back end. and slow and steady over time, you will develop your plan, your marketing, all that stuff, get it down. And you got it to feel, you got the, you know, being a chiropractor, when I first came out, I was just so gun ho ready to get out and share my vision to the world and all that, that I, I, as much as I knew chiropractic, the philosophy, the neuroscience and all that, I didn't construct my message yet. I didn't know who me was and how I wanted to present chiropractic to the world. And if I, I would not change my road and map of what I've done because I had a struggle for two years, had to go bankrupt. And then all of a sudden that was my decisioning point, man. It was do or die for me. It was either go work for somebody or go all out in the business, save it 
and see what happens. You know, I didn't see anything, anything but success. And I'm happy I did that. It all went the right way. But at the same token, um, it's one of those things where I lost my train of thought with that. But slow and steady is one thing that I'm a huge fan of to, you know, build your craft, be the message. And if I would have worked with someone for three years, I would have built two, three years. I would have built my message up. I would have knew, I would have formulated my way if I was a little bit more patient, you know, type A personality driver. Uh, those things don't add up when you're like, Oh yeah, I got to wait three years until I do what I want. Hell no. I was in school for three and a half years of struggle and pain in the butt, listening to what I had to do, jump through the circus, you know, but it's one of those things. So mm-hmm. I love how you bring that up, brother. Um, to gain more clarity on how to find out more about what you do, where you're at, where can people find you and follow you and so much more, if you don't mind sharing that really quick. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Nathan.tv, I spell my name N-A-T-H-E-N. Uh, so a little different, but Nathan.tv, that's my website. Um, I have a few things. I have an online course teaching people how to plan, fund, and build their dream business. I give them that uh that whole pitch deck that they can fill out so that they can go get funding. Uh, I actually have an, uh, like a reality series on following my dream as well. Um, there are five episodes of that out. We have 17 episodes that we're working on right now. And, um, in that, uh, that reality series, there is me going out and having a camera follow me around as I get funding, as I get a grant, as I get, uh, investments for people. And that is inside of the program as well. Um, we're also, releasing that on, uh, on YouTube and you can go to nathan.tv forward slash series to check out my series. Um, yeah. And also you can text me. My phone number is area code 310-807-1998. And if you're interested in one of those, uh, little sessions, what I ask is question number one, what's your dream? What's your passion? What's your idea? What's your focus? What's your business? And then question number two, how can I help? And then I just text back and forth with people and help the best way that I can, which is just by asking good questions and uh, presenting business solutions for you. And so that's one thing that I really love doing. Uh, it allows me to connect with individuals and kind of brainstorm. And my, my kind of secret uh, you know, reason why I do this is because I want to be connected with the most amazing heart-centered motivated people in the world. So that's my real reason behind it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I don't have to do this uh, right now for an income. And so I just focus on l- meeting the most amazing people and helping them any way that I can. And it ends up being a really incredible, like two way uh, relationship with all these amazing human beings. So I'm really excited about that. So yeah, check me out there. YouTube is uh, youtube.com forward slash Nathan. Um, everything is pretty much uh, forward slash Nathan or Nathan TV, uh, but YouTube and my blog and uh, my website are the three main ways to contact me. Awesome. Everybody that will be in the show notes. So I'll make sure I have that all in there, but Nathan, I appreciate all the work you're doing, brother. This was fun chatting here and I'll be able to connect with you and uh, your energy and everything about who you are, man. I love it. I love what you're up to and, you know, keep up the the amazing work that you're doing, brother. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Wellness Smart Radio. If you liked the episode, please do us a favor and go on iTunes, share a review, let us know what you think. If you were inspired by this episode, pay it forward by sharing this with someone you know that could benefit from this. This is Dr. Vic Manzo, and I'll see you in the next episode.